This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 3rd, 2023. What do you do for a living? Given by Pastor Karen Bunnell. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Karen Bunnell, and I am a happily retired United Methodist pastor. And I'm very glad to be back with you this morning, Connection. I'm glad I was able to be here so that Carrie and Alan could get some time away, well-deserved time away at the beach. And I send them greetings if they're watching, and I'll forgive them if they're not. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I want to begin this morning by telling you a little something about myself. I've worn a lot of titles in my life, a daughter to my parents, sisters to my five siblings, pastor for nearly 40 years, but one of my favorite titles of all is aunt. I am the aunt to nine nieces and nephews and the great aunt to 13 great nieces and nephews. I love being Aunt Karen. I love spending time with them. I love watching them grow up. I can get away with things that their parents and grandparents can't. I can spoil them and not care a bit. They can come to me and they can talk to me about anything and they can rest assured that I'm not gonna blab their business to others. But I've also discovered that there are some things that I can't talk about with them especially when they're in the teenage years and early 20 years. Things like, do you want to go to college? Or where do you want to go to college? Or even worse, I have discovered the question, what do you want to do for a living? You know, when I first asked those questions, they seemed innocent enough. Wasn't it just a loving aunt wanting to hear about their plans? But what I have since discovered is that those are tough questions with which those young people are wrestling. They feel tremendous pressure from a lot of people to decide early on what they wanna be, where they wanna go, what they wanna do for a living, what college they could go to, all of those questions. And I think I finally understood their reluctance to answer my questions when I took time to think back on that time in my life. It's a scary time. You feel like you're making a once-for-all decision about your life, your future, that you have to know right then what you want to do and where you want to do it. And the more that people ask you the question, the more the pressure piles on you. And so you think that would have stopped my asking the question. <laughs> Sadly, I'm still an aunt. And I still want to know, but now this is what I do. Now I say first, can I ask you something? Can I ask you about college or your career plans? And when they say no, which they sometimes do, I just let it go. What do you do for a living? Isn't that often one of the first questions you're asked when you meet somebody? It's almost like an icebreaker. Nice to meet you. What do you do for a living? Well, this just so happens to be Labor Day weekend, 
a weekend when we actually celebrate working and workers. And so I thought it would be good for us to do that this morning. And so for the scripture this morning, I chose one of the greatest stories about working, about being called to do a job, and it's the story of Moses and the burning bush, the story of God's calling Moses for the work that God wanted him to do. Moses' story is found in the third chapter of the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible. And so I'm going to begin by giving you a a quick review of Moses' life story. Back in the time when the Israelites were in Egypt, a day came when a new ruler came into power. He was incredibly threatened by the Israelites, so he made a decree that every baby, born, born, baby boy born to the Hebrews would be killed. Well, some of the midwives didn't want to do that. And so they still helped the Hebrew women give birth. But when the ruler questioned them, they said, you know, the Hebrew women are really strong. They go into labor early before we can even get there. Well, it appears that he believed them, but that even made him more angry. And so he made a new decree that now every Hebrew baby boy born must be thrown into the river and be killed. He really hated the Israelites. Well, there came a day when a man from the house of Levi married a Levite woman and they had a baby and he was Moses. Knowing that his life was in danger, they had to hide him for a while. They hid him as long as they could and then they had to do something else. So no doubt with tears on her face, Moses' mother took that baby and put him in a basket and laid the basket hidden among reeds on the side of the river. The scripture says that his sister stood by at a distance to see what was going to happen. Well, as it happened, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to the river to bathe, and she saw the basket among the reeds. She heard the baby crying. She took pity on him, and she knew it was one of the Israelite babies. Well, at that very moment, Moses' sister comes out of the side and she volunteers to go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby. And she goes and gets her mother, who, of course, is the baby's mother. God works in mysterious ways. And so Moses grew up in the household of Pharaoh. Well, as time went by, things continued between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Things were bad. He began to understand how bad they were. And one day, he saw an Egyptian treating an Israelite terribly, and he killed him. Well, Pharaoh was livid, and so Moses had to take off and run for his life. And he ran to a place called Midian. And there he settled down. And he took a wife named Zipporah, with whom he had a son. And still, the Egyptians were horrible to the Israelites. And God's anger was kindled against them, the scripture says. And one day, Moses is out in the fields shepherding his father-in-law's sheep, which was his job at that time. And he was up on Mount Horeb, and all of a sudden, he saw something out of the corner of his eye. It was a bush, and it was on fire, and he turned to look at it, and the longer he looked at it, the more he was amazed because it was burning, but it was not being consumed. It wasn't burning away. He continued to stare at it, and God spoke to him, 
and God talked to him, and God changed his life in those moments. God told Moses that he was seeing the suffering of his people, and he had come to deliver them from their suffering. And then he said words that would change Moses' life forever. He said, I'm sending you, Moses. You're the one I'm sending to bring my people out of Egypt. It shook Moses to his core. So you'll not be surprised to hear his response. He, he said to God, who am I, Lord? Who am I that you should send me? And the Lord reminded him, I'll be with you. Still, Moses persisted. Well, what if people don't believe me? What, what am I going to tell them? Who will I say sent me to do this? And God said, tell them I am who I am sent you. Tell them that the God of your father sent you. They're going to listen to you, Moses. And still, Moses kept stalling, making one excuse after another. The last thing he tried was reminding God that he was not a good public speaker. And by then, it seems like God's almost losing patience with him. But he reminds Moses that his brother Aaron is a good speaker, and he would send Aaron to go with him. And at the last, Moses finally said yes. And Moses answered God's call in his life. And as you know, he became one of the fathers of our faith, one of our spiritual forebearers. His story is inspirational. His story is educational in so many ways that I think we would do well to read over it regularly for all the truths that it holds for our lives. And so this morning, I want to begin with reviewing a couple of those truths from his story. And the first truth is that God still speaks. God still speaks to us just as surely as he spoke to Moses. And in surprising ways, like he did with Moses. For Moses, it was a burning bush that was not consumed. For us, who knows what that could be? It could be something in nature, like that burning bush. It could be a, a breathtaking sunrise or sunset. It could be dew on morning grass. It could be a swan swimming on a lake. It could be you read a line in a poem that touches you or you see something on Facebook. It could be an announcement made right here at church that makes you sit up and take notice and you feel your heart touched. It could be the voice of a friend inviting you to do something new. God still speaks, friends. God still speaks today. And the challenge for us is to, like Moses, stop what we're doing to look and listen and hear what God has to say for our lives. You know, I recently had a burning bush experience. It was not so long ago. It actually happened during annual conference. At annual conference, at the beginning of every morning, a bishop by the name of Sudarshana Davidar was giving us a Bible study on the Lord's Prayer. I had known Bishop Suda, that was his nickname. I had known him for many years since working with him on the Northeast Jurisdiction Board of Ordained Ministry. So I was there for every moment of his presentation. And so he taught verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer. And when he got to the line in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, Suda recalled the story of the prodigal son. Now, you remember the story of the prodigal son where he took his inheritance early from his father, 
left his brother and his father, took off, squandered all that money away, and then he was desperate and decided to come back to his father and throw himself at his mercy and ask for forgiveness. And so Suda was telling the story about how stunned the boy was when he was going back up the lane to throw himself at his father's feet. And instead, he sees his father running toward him with his eyes wide open, ready to forgive him and grant him new life. And then Suda said these words. He said, that father is like our God. Our God is a running God always running toward us with arms wide open, ready to embrace us and forgive us and welcome us into new life. Those six words, our God is a running God. You know, when I heard Asuda say them, although I had prayed and preached about that text numerous times in my ministry, when I heard those words, it was like an electric bolt went through my body. I was standing in front of a burning bush. Our God is a running God. I'll never forget that image. And whenever I am struggling, I'll always remember that God is a running God, right there running to me to embrace me and to carry me into new life. And that I am called to run toward others and embrace them with his love, and so are you as well. Burning bushes, burning bush moments. We'll only see them, friends, if we slow down and if we look and if we listen. Moses did and it changed his life. You can, it'll change yours. The second truth from Moses' story is that when God calls us, God equips us. No matter what excuse Moses came up with, God had an answer, and so he will for us as well. You know, when I received a call into ministry, there was no earthly reason. I'm telling you, no earthly reason I should have said yes. At that point in my life, I was afraid to speak in public. I had hardly ever been to a funeral. My father hated funerals, so I'd hardly been to one. I hated hospitals. Well, you can see that wouldn't make a very good resume for somebody to be a preacher. Yet when God calls friends, God equips. And the Spirit led me to say yes, even though I had so many good reasons to say no. And God has always given me what I needed to answer the call every step of the way. And God will do the same thing when he calls you. And the third truth that I would lift up today is the most important one. And that is that God promised to be with Moses every step of his journey, and he was. Whatever God calls you to do, God will be with you. Rest assured, he will be with you. You will never be alone. I hope you feel that as you work, that God is with you. Whatever it is that you do for a living, whether you work at a job where you get a paycheck, whether you're retired, whether you're a student, whatever you do for a living, I hope you see your work, what you do is holy. And you know what I think? I think that all of us, no matter what we do for a living, are bivocational. And let me tell you what I mean by that by way of a story. There's an author named James Moore, and he told about a day when he was 
called to go to his daughter's Christian college for a career day. He was going with one of five other people or four other people to speak on the topic, how faith influences your choice of a career. The seminar had the usual starting point where everybody introduced themselves and told about themselves. And so they began, the first woman said that she was an attorney. The second person was a man who said he owned a business, a computer company. The third said he was in real estate, and then came James, and he said, I'm a pastor. Finally came the fifth panelist, sitting next to James. He was a doctor, and James says that when his turn came, he changed that mundane situation into a sacred moment. The man said this, We've come here today to talk about vocation. The meaning of vocation means calling. Well, my calling is to be a Christian. And one of the ways I do that is through the practice of medicine. James said that man had a strong sense of partnership with God. And he was so moved by what he said that he thought to himself that the next time he got sick, he'd go see that doctor. Now you see what I mean by being bivocational? We're called to be Christians first, friends. We're called then to the work that we do. And hopefully they're not separate, but in the best ways they're tied together in your life. One biblical commentator put it like this. He put it so well. He said, a call from Jesus may or may not change what you do for a living. It always changes why you work. As followers of Jesus, we work above all to serve him. In turn, this leads to a change in how we work, and especially in how we treat other people. Being a Christian is our first calling, and it changes everything else in our lives. It should affect the way we work, the way we act at work, the priorities we have at work, the way we care for others at work, the kindness we show, the justice we seek through our work. But sadly, studies have shown that in the recent past, even Christians have separated their work and their faith lives. Never the twain shall meet. But friends, if Christ is the center of our lives, should he not also be the center of our working lives? Think how might, that might change how you live and what you do for a living and how you make your living. So let me draw to a close by telling you what I mean. And, and please bear with me now because I'm going to talk about the Phillies. <laughs> I love the Phillies. I've always loved the Phillies, um, even after the last two nights games, but that's nothing. Uh, you know, sometimes they, they're just fabulous and the next day they play like t-ballers. But <laughs> anyway... Let me talk about the Phillies for a minute and last Sunday night. Some of you may know about this. Last Sunday night, the Phillies and the Nationals played in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which was the site of the Little League World Series. Now, here were these millionaire baseball players getting to spend time with Little Leaguers. It was amazing to see how they interacted with these kids. 
They were in the stands cheering like fans with all the rest of the fans. They spent time with the teams, talking to them individually, and they brought them gifts. But a couple of the more moving moments for me came through the Phillies' backup catcher named Garrett Stubbs. At one point, they showed him on a team bus talking to two little leaguers just like he was their best friend. They sat there and answered questions for as long as they wanted. He answered them excitedly. He told them about his favorite players. He told them about how much he loved playing in front of the crowds at Citizens Bank Park. They had his undivided attention for a long time. And best of all, he was happy to be there with them. And then later on, they showed him with the rest of the Phillies team signing autographs with the Little Leaguers. But Garrett Stubbs was different. When a child came up to Garrett and asked for his autograph, his reply was always, I'll give you my autograph if you give me yours. Can you imagine how that made those little kids feel? He wants my autograph. This big league baseball player wants my autograph. So at the end of the day, Garrett Stubbs' jersey was covered with signatures of little league players. You see what I mean? Garrett Stubbs lived out his job that day in a way that made such a difference to those young lives. I think that's what we're called to do, friends. To answer our call as loving and caring and committed Christians first in the midst of whatever it is we do for a living. Oh, dear friends, all of us, like Moses, are called by God, every single one of us. May we have eyes to see the signs that he puts all around us. May we take the time to look for them. May we answer, here I am, Lord. And may we always, always, always let our faith in Christ infuse Whatever we do for a living, may it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.